0: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James, and in today's podcast, we're going to be looking back at Saturday's 3-0 defeat against Arsenal. Boris Johnson has brought in the rule of six, and quite frankly, it could have been six yesterday. Arsenal ran rampant against Fulham, who looked good in the opening stages, but ultimately were a bit toothless and pretty calamitous in defence. Here to review the match is Ben Jarman. How are you doing, Ben? Hello, hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Sam? Yeah, good. Thank you. And his man with his ear to the ground on all things FFC, Jack Kelly. Hi, how are you doing? You're right. Yeah, fine. Thank you. We haven't had you on the pod in a little while, Jack. So uh, nice to have you on again. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. Now I've been busy on the uh, on the YouTube scene.
0: Mate, you've been more than busy. You've Been tapping up AF TV, getting views by the thousands. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been really good. Loving your content, especially with Joe Sanson. Make sure you check out Jack on the Fulhamish YouTube channel. Nearly at 3k subs as well now, Jack. We, uh, we, we're coming, we're coming a bit big time over there.
1: Yeah, I had a look this morning, and I think we're about 20 away from uh, 3k. So if we could uh, if we could push that, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, i would really enjoyed it.
0: There's got to be 20 people listening to this podcast who have a YouTube account that haven't subscribed to us yet. So uh, I think that's a very much possibility, Jack, that maybe by the end of the day, we could uh, hit 3,000. And uh, just to carry on the self-indulgence a little bit more, it's it's Fulhamish's fourth birthday today. Um, Four years since we first recorded a podcast. Uh, Myself, Dom, Farrell and Jack reviewing a 1-0 defeat against Birmingham City. And uh, well, four years on, it was an equally drab game to be talking about on the podcast today. Um, Ben, as we do three world reviews after every match been a little while uh, I guess we haven't done one since the playoff finals so uh, what were the three world reviews that came through like yesterday that you liked
2: uh, cool so we went to Twitter for these um, and uh, we'll start with Kings Crossed uh, Sonka Gorgos who said sign two CB's uh, <laughs> then we'll have uh, Drew Heatley, who said, "Let's use perspective" in his very wise words, as always from G- from Drew. He's been around for a long yeah. time, a man that's been <laughs> around for an even longer time. Farrell Monk said, "Gunpowder three non flop," and then uh, it wouldn't be a Fulhamish podcast without uh, Soul Bamber, who said, "Fanbase meltdown incoming."
0: Yeah, do you know what? I don't think there was much of a meltdown yesterday. I. I- and i didn 't expect one either, because I think most Fulham fans hopefully would have been fairly rational about again about yesterday. It was a difficult team, an informed team that we faced. And we lost. We kind of expected to lose Jack. Um, Let's have a look at the starting lineup. And I thought this was really, really interesting what Scott did yesterday. A lot of us were on Twitter on Friday using the Fulhamish squad selector as to who we'd go with. And I think we all had a mixture of new names and old names in there. But Scott Parker went for a fully old in terms of from last season, 11, only one change from the playoff final, which was even Cavalero coming in for Decadova Reed. And it was a sign from Scott. And I think it was so symbolic of you got us here. It's your place to lose. And I think Scott made the right call there.
1: I think that's pleasing. I think that it completely contradicts what we did in 2018, where we just, you know, brought in 13 new players and and nearly started half of them in our first game against Palace. It was nice to see a midfield three that, that started against Brentford, and although it, we didn't get the result we wanted, you know the continuity in the squad it, it does kind of make sense. Um, that, that the squad confidence will still be there back from August. And look, I, I don't think we played awfully, like really awful, but I think there is room for improvement. And you know we do have new signings that can bed in in the defence as well, and and hopefully we can just push on from here. I I wasn't too shocked that Mitrovic didn't start. Um, obviously, he played for Serbia, but he did have that hamstring injury, so he's maybe a week or so behind everyone else. But look, 37 to go. Happy days. We're in the Premier League. Let's try and enjoy the ride.
0: I love your optimism, Jack. Um Ben, it was a bit of a surprise for Mitro not to be in the starting 11. Obviously, we know he didn't really play in the playoffs, but I kind of thought as he had played for Serbia, that he would be in contention if he was fit enough to play for his country. Do you think it was fully, oh, Scott wanted to give him a rest or do you think there was a bit of tactics in here with trying to press Arsenal high. We saw a lot of times last season, Arsenal were really fallible when you press them high and well, and maybe his thinking was that Kamara would do a similar job to what he did against Brentford, which which worked against Brentford, but didn't quite work against Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. I wonder why.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a massive gulf between Brentford and Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, isn't there? But I think for it to be a tactical decision, to leave out arguably your best player is probably... Um, Ridiculous, to be quite frank. I don't, I guess he's trying to protect Mitrovic. Um, maybe wanted to give us uh, a little bit of a foothold in the game before bringing him on and really starting to try and occupy someone. But when you look at Arsenal's lineup, they had Rob Holding, Kierantini, uh, and new signing Gabriel as their back three. You know, for if you're really going to give all three of those a sort of a baptism of fire, you have one of the most informed strikers in Europe in your starting lineup, surely. So I kind of feel like he's just trying to protect Mitrovic. Um, obviously, may not have had too much of a pre-season with that with that hamstring injury. Obviously, been out on international duty with, with Serbia and may have had to isolate for a couple of days when coming back. So it wasn't at full fitness, but you'd hope that he starts the next couple of games.
0: Yeah. And I'd expect him so. And also, I guess from Scott Parker's point of view, is he if he's thinking, where do I need Mitro more? Do I need him for Leeds and Villa or do I need him for Arsenal? And if that was my decision as Parker and you kind of, it was unlikely he was going to feature in all three, I would definitely, you know, Leeds and Villa are much more important games. We know that. We did start quite well yesterday, Jack, and I was fairly optimistic after about seven and a half minutes. We had... Kind of two chances. The first one was a bad back pass from Maitland Niles, who's had a great few months. Obviously, made his debut for England the other day, but it was a terrible back pass. I actually think Kamara should have maybe done a little bit better. I think it was a real guilt edge chance that he missed.
1: Yeah, and we kind of saw this coming. Like Arsenal like to play out from the back, and also Fulham like to play out from the back. So if we got players like Kamara, Caviero, and Cabana with the pace to press, then maybe opportunities like that will happen. And yeah, it just so happened that Kamara had the pace to get to the ball first. He just, the first touch didn't quite take it around Leno. And um, it, was, it was a promising start. It, it, it gave me optimism that we could press Arsenal and create more opportunities like that. But um, like with the third guy, I'm sure we'll come to it. The way they played around us was fantastic. But um, yeah, early chances. And then the first real chance they got, you know, it was a mistake by Reuben and they scored. And that, the only two things I was really disappointed about yesterday was... The way in which we create, uh, we we didn't create enough chances. We we lacked creativity, uh, and the two goals, the first two goals, we conceded were really disappointing from our end.
0: Yeah, Ben, let's come on to Arsenal's first goal. Um, oh, I was really gutting it. Kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, Aubameyang managed to just stop the ball going out of play. Kind of bullied a doy slightly, um, but it 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 really wasn't a well struck shot. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure who it was on the end of the box edge of the box who struck it. It may have been Jacka. Then yeah, Reem just oh, he got it caught between his feet and oh, it was just so messy and horrible. And do you know what? That third goal that Arsenal scored yesterday was a beautiful counter-attacking move, and I can kind of accept that Arsenal might score goals like that. Or if Abamyang had put one top bins from 40 yards as to open the scoring, you kind of just have to shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well, but that was really avoidable yesterday and maybe just showed is Tim Ream actually going to last a full Premier League season? Because I'm not looking forward to it massively if we do have Ream and Hector at centre back all season.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be completely honest about it, I mean, when the ball comes in at that angle right at your feet, it is incredibly difficult to sort of adjust your body and get the ball away. But as you said, the the chance comes and it's completely avoidable. You know, we didn't get out quick enough, um, either to pressure Aubameyang or to, to push the defence up and give the keeper some space and to avoid that shot on the edge of the box. I mean, one there was one common trend throughout the whole of that 90 minutes was that basically Xhaka... Or El Nenny was just essentially just sat on the edge of our box without any pressure on them whatsoever. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, it's a little bit of a scrappy goal. It feels completely avoidable. And then if we're talking about if Ream's going to last the full season, honestly, I don't think so. Um, I do think it's a bit irresponsible for Fulham to be signing two centre, uh, two wing backs uh, and a couple of other players before addressing what is probably going to be the real issue here, which is a centre-half partnership that yesterday didn't look great. I mean. Remer is getting a lot of flack, but Hector didn't have his best game. There was a lot of misplaced aggression in there. could quite easily have been sent off if, if like Premier League officials had sort of upheld their end of the bargain. I think it, there, there were a few tackles in there that could have seen him get that second yellow. and yeah, I feel like he was a little bit slow as well.
0: I mean, admittedly, Hector was also quite slow when he started after the lockdown. I remember, and we were wondering what the hell happened to Michael Hector during, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and he maybe is just one of those players that takes three or four games. He also didn't start amazingly when he, when he played those first games, I think it was against uh, Villa in the car. He was a little bit shaky. Um, it took him two or three games. So I'm hoping that's the case with Hector, but there's just a real lack of speed between them and, and someone like like a Bamiyang who is rapid. You're not going to face the likes of him every week, but I'm not massively looking forward to a good nine, 10 games where there are also going to be other rapid attackers against, against those two, because I think it was said in commentary, they look like they're running on different surfaces at times, Ben.
2: Yeah, they do. And I feel like when, when we say that we won't face someone like Aubameyang every single week, but basically, the Premier League is built on speed. You know, every single team has that rapid player. You look at Southampton, they've got Redmond, they've got Ings, and you look at Palace, they've got Zaha, they've got Eze. Even the teams down at the bottom of the league have rapid players that are going to attack you. And when we talk about the Premier League, chances chances come out of absolutely nowhere. You know, Arsenal sort of seemed like they're on the back foot for nine minutes yesterday, and then they scored out of nothing. You know, team, yeah. teams can do that to you, and you need pace to cover those attacks and that's why you're seeing so many Premier League teams invest in centre-halves that are not only tall and can can sort of claim uh, a stake in the box but also have that huge amount of pace you know even Arsenal's newest signing Gabriel he's got a decent pace about him Uh, and there's a reason why they keep hold of like Rob Holding etc it's because not only is he positionally fairly good but he's also got a decent pace to make up for any mistakes.
0: Yeah, I was um, I was speaking to a Chelsea mate of mine. I know they do exist. Um, mm. Who was saying, you know, why don't you try and get someone like Tamori in on loan? And I'm not saying necessarily Tamori is the answer, but you do have to wonder if maybe they do need to either just look in the loan market for for a young, fast, pacey centre back who may have mistakes in him. Undoubtedly, will have mistakes in him, but also might just be able to get get the likes of Reem or Hector out of jail a few times. Um, that that would maybe be my advice. To, well, I mean, I think it's quite clear that we need a center back at the moment. And I don't think any fan and probably I don't think the management are, are dumb to it. I, I imagine they, they will be in their psyche. But one thing you did talk about there, Ben was um, being able to command a box, but Jack, that was very much how the second goal came about. I mean, if there was, if there was one situation I would have thought Reem and Hector would be pretty good at, would be defending a set piece. It was so simple. It was horribly simple the fact that gabriel just had a free header 2 yards out if that happened in a sunday league team you'd be fuming
1: it, it was so many Oh, there was just so many things that annoyed me about that goal the the box was clustered with with players and um hector was the wrong side of gabriel not not i mean it was 3 minutes into the second half where really i thought we'd we'd come out the second half stronger and and look like we could try and get an equalized but it was a sucker punch and gabriel didn't yeah he didn't hear anything hardly have to jump to get that and um came off his shoulder I think and went into the net just such a disappointing start to the second half such a flat goal to concede through the keeper's legs um no marking no no sense of awareness no sense of of urgency to get the ball away and that's what frustrates me the most because at 2-0 down conceding two really soft goals in our first game back everyone's looking at us and going oh Fulham they won't be good because look at them they're conceding soft goals and I just can't be bothered for everyone to write us off. I mean, uh, we're one game in, but yeah, the second goal, Sammy, was just so frustrating. I Think about it now. Yeah. i cry
0: it's just it's. I just saw Norwich last season concede so many goals from set pieces. And if you can't defend them, then you're kind of on a hiding to nothing. If you can't just get set piece defending right. You know, it's going to be a difficult year. It's not. And Scott is completely right when he says we're going to lose more games than we win. But the basics is being able to defend set pieces. Norwich couldn't do it last year and, and they went down with, with, with a w with a to whimper. And I just really don't want that to happen again to us this season. You saw Cardiff score two fairly simple set piece goals in the second leg of that sent playoff semi final. So fingers crossed that, you know, Stuart Gray and, and whoever our other defensive coaches are can can maybe get us a bit tighter from that front because it was really shocking. And then, you know, the third goal comes about, I mentioned it earlier. That's a lovely move from Arsenal. But they, they mentioned it on match of the day, Ben, about are pressing and how it wasn't cohesive as a unit. It was often Abubakar Kamara on his own. And it might again work in the championship. You might be able to scare a few defenders who really don't want it, as uh, the Sunday league cliche goes. But <laughs> Arsenal do want it, don't they? Uh, they're not scared, even with the linebacker um, size of Abubakar Kamara coming at you. They're just going to play it around you. It's It's way too easy if we're going to press but not press well.
2: I think the thing for me that became really apparent and, and something that was actually really, really shocking uh, and something to be really concerned about was that after that second goal went in, all sort of all shape we had and we would held all game just disappeared. And you know, Abubakar Kamara was pressing and no one else was following him. You know, Harrison Reed was in a low block and no one else went low. When Angisa came on and they, and Parker took the wingers off, they they basically had fullbacks marauding up and down the pitch because nobody knew if Fulham were entering into a low block to sort of stem the tide or if they were trying to press um and i think that that's the biggest concern because yes we looked great for the opening 10 15 minutes and and to hold 1-0 to half time was a was a fairly big achievement for a team that last year probably looked a little bit sluggish out of possession um I thought we had turned the corner as I put in my half time thoughts but then yeah as soon as that second goal went in everything changed you know uh Fulham seemed to be all over the place positionally people weren't holding their sort of their position entirely and and people just went missing and I think there's a contrast between the two teams and I know that obviously there's a massive gulf between Arsenal and Fulham but Arsenal had a clear game plan to to funnel Fulham into the middle of the pitch and snuff out everything using the three center halves Xhaka and Nenny. Whereas Fulham tried to f- funnel uh, Arsenal down our right hand side, so their left, but we couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and then just completely lost all the shape, as I said, after that second goal went in. And uh, I think that's the difference between a, a really well drilled Premier League team and a, and a Premier League team that's slightly uh, naive.
0: Yeah. And whilst it was pleasing in a sense that it didn't end five or six. I'm not going to say that it was all down to Fulham. The one thing that maybe did stem the tide a little bit was the double substitution, bringing on Mitrovic, bringing on Angeesa. and both looked positive. Mitrovic actually did try and just give those defenders a bit of a tough time. You know, it's 3-0 down. What's he going to really do? But um, let's talk about Angesa, Jack. He came on and I thought he looked pretty impressive. Okay. Yes. He did get mugged pretty horrifically oh, yeah. by Danny Sabayos. But other than that, I thought he was excellent. He looks so languid on the board. You, you almost want to initially criticize him that he's, he's almost Berbatov-esque in the way he kind of just strolls around and struts around with the ball, but it does allow the rest of the team to kind of play off him and, and relieve some pressure. Right. I think he looks a class above, but I, I did see a bit of debate on Twitter last night with some people, maybe getting a bit overexcited and some people saying, like, come on, lads, he he had a couple of nice touches. Let's not let's not think that he's suddenly the answer to all our problems.
1: He he looks very nonchalant on the ball and I think Great work. the way he uh the way he just kind of strolls around the pitch, plays the nice passes. I think he had uh, yeah, he obviously got nutmegged by um Sabios and he had a, a dodgy touch and on one occasion where he lost the ball. But apart from that he looks tidy, he looks clean and you know he could be a real useful tool for us this season in the, in the midfield, but um, it's just down to whether we keep him. I know Seri is nowhere to be seen at the moment, um, but it, it was promising to see Anguissa on the bench, and the fact that he came on and actually put in a decent performance is quite promising, and I'm looking forward to seeing him um, if he can play a part this season.
0: I mean, Ben, you've, you've sang Anguisa's praises for, for a long time, so do you start him against Leeds?
2: Um, I think so, yeah. It, it all depends on, on the fitness of, of Angie. So obviously, uh, we found out in the week that he had only just come back um, into the squad. So um, it, it all depends on how well he's sort of like getting up to speed. But I think for him to be introduced yesterday, um, I think does underline his importance that, well, how important Scott sees him for, for this squad going forward if we manage to keep hold of him. I feel like there are a few players yesterday that actually probably deserve more criticism than than the debate that is getting. You know, I thought Tom Kearney was very, very, very below what, what we should be expecting from a, from a starting captain. And for him to be playing in the eight role, I still think it's absolutely a wrong role for him. Yeah. I think I feel like he held on to possession for way too long. Wasn't anywhere near as aggressive enough of his passing as we needed him to be. Um, and just looked an absolute shade of the player that we saw sort of two years ago. And you sort of wonder, you know, where, is, where has this come from? Like, where will Tom ever reach the level that he was at, you know, two, two years ago?
1: Mm.
0: It's hard with Tom. I think I, he changes so often, doesn't he? He goes from, you know, bad games to good games so quickly. Um, but yeah, I don't think that eight-roll is for him. It's it's really difficult. Where do you put Tom Kearney? I do genuinely think Josh Onoma tends to do the kind of between the eight and ten role better than Kearney. I don't think Kearney sits well in a double double pivot, particularly when you have the quality of player that we can put there with Harrison Reid, Anguisa, Lamina it's hard to see Jack exactly where Kearney fits into this midfield. And it's a lot of the problems again, coming up from the Premier League season, you know, you want to include Kearney because he's your captain and because on his day, he can provide a spark of magic, but sometimes you feel it's to the detriment of the team to actually include him sometimes.
1: Yeah. And and that's interesting just because he's the captain uh, almost seems like he has to start. I mean, I wonder if Scott will have the uh, cojones to actually drop him for a game and and play someone else. I mean, Onomar and Reed and Anguisa in midfield maybe. But um the thing with Kearney is because he's so one-footed, he just slows it down. And it's very, it's very like when they, when he gets pressed, it's like he has to turn one way and play the obvious pass. And, and the what we had yesterday was a lack of creativity, creativity in the middle. And um yeah, I thought the build-up was really, really slow from our midfield. And, you know, we saw that last season against Birmingham and, and you know, West Brom and it was frustrating. And, in the Premier League, you're not going to create enough chances and score enough goals to keep us in the division if your build-up is going to be that slow. Um, it felt like we were just keeping possession for possession's sake at sometimes and there wasn't enough runs being made from the front three to create those risky passes, to create the opportunities. Uh, Kaney, I thought, yeah, was extremely slow and, and would go backwards rather than forwards. Uh, frustrating because I, I do love him. I think he's a fantastic player and obviously he's done so much for the club, but... Um, If we want to progress, we might have to drop him for a couple of games and uh, uh, put someone else in midfield to try and create some more opportunities.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ben, I'm going to come on to a question here from Jacob Wong. Um, everyone's talking about the defence being bad, and Breck as it is, but in his opinion, the root of the problem is zero creativity and dynamism in midfield to connect defence and attack. Uh, 0.2 XG is laughable. That's what we got in the expected goals yesterday. It was, I think it was actually less than 0.2. It was like 0.15 or something like that. Onema and Kearney simply cannot be our creativity in this league. Thoughts? No, I... Th- I... I do
2: completely agree. I thought I feel like yesterday we were we were so sluggish in the middle. Um, a lot of pe- a lot of players taking what two or three too many touches, um, not getting their head up enough, not receiving the ball in sort of like a, a body position that allows them to to pass it straight away. Um, there were there were flashes of really good link up play. There was. One uh, down the right hand side that started from Midori and finished with him taking a shot uh, at Leno, and I think that was literally the move before we conceded the goal. Um, and the passing was better, um, but then in the second half, I feel like all the possession just went. They there was no real uh, there was no real intent from Fulham. Caballero lost the ball a lot. Tom Kenny lost the ball a lot, um, and and I feel like uh, the creativity we're really going to struggle with unless we get someone in there who's a de- who's a, a defined playmaker that can bring others into play. Because I think 99% of the fan base would hope that would be Tom Kearney, but I think the harsh reality of it is he's not going to be that player for us this season, especially if he's playing deeper. So I feel like alongside the the two centre-halves we need, I feel like you also need a designated playmaker that's going to try and make stuff happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, be interesting to see what else happens in the transfer window. There's obviously still quite a long time left um, for signings to come in. Jack, um, what are the positives that Fulham can take out of yesterday? In my opinion, you know, it's, it's easy for us to be critical, but we don't face Arsenal every game. And I do think Arsenal will be in and around the top four chase this season, whether they make it or not remains to be seen. They tend to have a wobble in the middle of the season. They often tend to start the season strongly. They often tend to end them strongly as well. They will beat many better sides than us this year. So what are the positives that Fulham fans can take out of yesterday's game? Because on the whole, we looked pretty tidy in midfield. You said so in your match reaction video that you did on Twitter and Instagram. And also... The heads didn't massively drop, did they? That was also encouraging to see because too many times in our last season in the Premier League, our heads dropped and it was really painful to watch. But it felt like yesterday that the mentality stayed strong and that's what Scott's going to really try and do this season.
1: Scott Parker doesn't let our heads drop. He's he's created a mentality around the club, which is a we will not lose mentality. And I know we lost yesterday, but it was especially important in the championship games that we were expected to win and, and needed to win. Um, positives to take. Midfield looked okay. We passed it around nicely. and Guisa looked really good when he came on, as I said. Um, Joe Bryan had a decent game. I didn't think he got caught. He, he got caught out too much, and actually he made a couple of really decent tackles and tracked back well. Uh, more positives. We've got none of the top six until December when we play Manchester City. We've got a really big run of games now: Leeds, Villa, Wolves, Palace, West Brom, West Ham. All in those uh, in those fixtures. Uh, what else? Mitrovic. If he starts 90, gets his first goal, uh, he's off and running. The front three looked OK in terms of the pace going forward. Uh, what else? Uh, we've got the likes of Areola to maybe come into the team to see how he, play, how he plays. We've still got Lemina, Tete, uh, Ayina and maybe some more signings. Uh, so there are plenty of positives. Um, I'm not getting upset after one game. Uh, we've played a top six t- a team and lost 3-0. Not the end of the world. It's just whether we can bounce back now. And the games against Leeds and Villa, and I know Leeds is going to be extremely difficult. They were fantastic yesterday. Um, or were they fantastic? But we'll come on to that, I suppose, later today. Um, the positives are, there's plenty of time to go. We are Fulham and we will, uh, we, will we will bounce back.
0: <laughs> Super Fulham. Um, uh, Jarms, do you agree with uh, Jack's positive? I, I actually, I, I enjoyed that. I, I think that uh, some positivity and some perspective is needed after yesterday's game, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I do agree with some of Jack's points there. Um, obviously, we all know we're not going to team, play a team like Arsenal every single week, and a lot one uh, one phrase that's being bounded around a lot at the moment is is the free hit. And a lot of people don't want to talk about free hit, and a lot of people do want to talk about it. But I feel like the first time we we're in the Premier League, we we said to ourselves. Oh, this is a free hit. That's a free hit. You know, anyone in the top six is a free hit. But if you go in with that mentality, you're going to lose every game against the top six. It does, you know, the, the dressing room sort of loses any any sense of urgency pretty quickly. I'd say. But I think Jack's spot on. We've got a, a, a run of games coming up where we need to get as many points as we can. Um, we have one of the most informed strikers in Europe in our squad. We have two very adaptable and capable fullbacks to come into the squad, as well as uh, a couple of midfielders that already have Premier League experience uh, and a returning Angisa. We also have Jean-Michel Seri back in the squad. Obviously, divides a lot of opinion, but I feel like there are there are massive positives for Fulham, and if we do well in the transfer market, and let's not forget we've just got over just over two weeks left of that, then we can push on this season. Uh, I do believe that Scott showed a lot of metal last season he showed a lot of pos- positive impact uh, and, and, and probably the biggest thing they showed a lot of potential and now it's up to him to sort of you know act on that potential and get us into a spot where you know coming into December with that really tough run of games that we can look we can look our, over our shoulder and feel like we are comfortable
0: yeah indeed well we'll take a little bit of a break we've got lots of questions to get through and we're going to have a look ahead to Wednesday night's Carabao Cup game against Ipswich
1: Did you know that with Drizzly, you can get drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes? Yep. With Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and liquor, including favorites like Don Julio and Bullet Bourbon. Plus, you can shop across multiple stores in your area to find what you want at the best prices. Download the app or visit drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y and use code SAVE to save $5 on your first order today.
0: If you're looking for an awesome Fulhamish gift or maybe some clobber for yourself, we've got a great range of Fulham and Fulhamish merch like t-shirts, mugs and posters with all proceeds going towards the future running of Fulhamish. Check it out at fulhamish.co.uk forward slash shop. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. And Jack Kelly. Hello. Really exciting. If you listen to this podcast pretty soon... Um, So if you're listening to this on Monday, it's too late, but I'm going to be on match of the day two tonight, which is exciting. I think it will be about five, 10 seconds, but yeah, I'll be doing a little roundup and trying to stay as uh, positive as possible. So uh, if you listen to this and you're in the UK before 10 o'clock tonight, uh, I'll I'll be representing Fulhamish pod on match of the day two, which is exciting times. Okay. Let's have a look ahead to Wednesday night's Carabao cup game against Ipswich, the Carabao cup this season, the way it's falling is very strange indeed with it kind of been playing in Consecutive weeks. Part of me quite likes it and wonders if there may be a way of this continuing in the future. I don't know. It seems quite nice that actually we'll already have kind of have four rounds of the Carabao Cup done, um, and we, we've barely started the season. It, it makes a lot of sense um, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway. Wednesday night, we go to Ipswich town They're in league one, um, Ben, not too far from you. Obviously if uh, you could go to games, I imagine this would definitely be one that uh, you'd be making an appearance at.
2: Yeah. Um, I do think, uh, the Ipswich away is probably one of the closest for me. Uh, it's just about half hour on the train and I I'd definitely like to go down to Portman road. Uh, I've spent many a boxing day at Portman road for Fulham versus uh, Ipswich before. So yeah, I'd definitely make an attempt. And I'd definitely be there if we could all be there.
0: Um, Jack, it's going to be very much a case of rotation, isn't it? You'd imagine maybe a, no, a good opportunity for lots of our new signings to get a game. I'd, I'd expect Ariola to probably start. I'd probably expect Tete, Aina, Lamina all to get a run out in this game. And maybe also a smattering of some of our younger players as well. I'd love to see uh, a Sylvester Jasper in there, for example.
1: Yeah. I was just about to say Jasper should probably start. I think um, he's got his, uh... He got called up to the first team. He's in the first team squad. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw likes of George Wiggins starting goal. Actually, he's been called up to the first team now, um, instead of Ariola. But uh, yeah, it's it's about rotation. Look, we've got a really really important game against Leeds at the weekend, and uh, as much as I'd like to progress in the cup, you know, we're going to play Sheffield Wednesday or Rochdale in the next round. There's a really good chance we can get to round four um, on paper. But um, yeah, it's about rotation. It's about giving. The new players and, and a bit of young, and the youngsters a bit of game time um, against League one opposition who start their season in about 15 minutes against Wigan. Um, I don't know what to say about Ipswich really I think they've, they're probably a little bit under par this season in terms of going up to the championship, but um, they'll probably want to get something over a Premier League side on Wednesday night. Um, Portland Road would have been a great away game for this as well midweek uh, that's that lovely pub at the top of the hill as well, but uh, we cannot do it, and we cannot do any game at the moment, which is uh,
0: no. No, it's a shame actually, isn't it? Because as you say, it's probably one of our more plum Carabao Cup draws that we've had away from home in a a few years. Obviously last year kind of, ended before it began by playing Southampton at home, which is such a kind of drab one to get yeah, yeah. from a, from, our, from our perspective. So yeah, Ipswich away, uh, probably up there with when we went to Leyton Orient away, which was a great first round Carabao Cup game. Um, I remember with uh, Ryan, a certain Ryan Sessegnon making his uh, debut that day. I mean, there's not much we can look at Ipswich in terms of their form. They haven't played um, a game yet in the league. They play today at midday against Wigan at home. Um, so that's, I think why our game is on the Wednesday and not the Tuesday. So that Ipswich have a little bit more of a, of a gap in terms of fixtures and stuff like that. They uh, beat Bristol Rovers in the first round of the cup. Again, what else can you look at? I mean, it's a bit of an interesting case with Ipswich, isn't it, Ben, because they were a championship team for so long. Mick McCarthy was keeping them in the division pretty comfortably, but it was always so drab and Ipswich fans really just had to have enough of, of Mick McCarthy and the way he was managing the team. And we all saw what happened when he left though. It, it all kind of went to pot and you'd have expected them to bounce straight back up last season. And they were top for a, a large part a of it time. and then just fell apart. And then when the points per game thing came in, they were, Really far down the league, didn't even make the playoffs. If I if I recall correctly,
2: no, you do recall correctly. I think they they finally finished in tenth. Um, See, so yeah, I feel like a lot of my Ipswich friends are saying that what has happened is that the the owner of the club, um, Marcus Evans, uh, I think is his name, has has basically stopped investing into in, in as much into a club uh, as as they needed to. Um, he essentially wanted them to become uh, self sustainable. But in a place like Ipswich, um, no disrespect for any of our listeners that do live around that area, it's very, very difficult to uh, for a club of that size to become self-sustainable in the, in the economy that they currently live in. So, yeah, I feel like um, they they got what they wished for and that McCarthy left, but then they appointed a couple of managers that just haven't really worked out. And now they've got Paul Lambert who's trying to get them back up. Um, they looked like they were going to have a, a, a rapid return into the Championship, but then, as we said, finished in 10th. Uh, signed a few players um, over the, the summer of this season that have got some good pedigree in them. I think Stephen Ward has come in and they've still got a couple of players in their squad, like Alan Judge, uh, uh and Freddie Sears and Flynn Downs too, who probably um, would be looked at by a lot of Championship clubs should they not go up again this year? Uh,
0: yeah. And, and Ben, who would you like to see starting in, in this one on Wednesday? It's obviously going to be a chance for rotation. Is that anyone that, apart from, maybe, I guess, is the new signings and a few youngsters for you?
2: Yeah, I feel like that's probably the way to go. Get someone like Lamina bedded in. Um, it'd be nice to see Anguissa get like a full 90 under his belt if he's not going to play for the full 90 against Leeds. Uh, it'd be lovely to see both the fullbacks come in. Um, it'd be nice to see Wiccan start, as as Jack said, but I, I kind of feel like this is going to be a game where Ariola makes his debut in the same way that Sergio Rico made his debut against uh, Millwall in the Cup too.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we'll wait and see. Seven o'clock kickoff on Wednesday. I have no idea how we can watch this. Jack, have you got any clues? I mean, I, I, would, I would guess it would be normally through kind of the iFollow service because it's an EFL thing, but I actually don't really know how they're doing it for the Carabao.
1: No, I, there hasn't been any news on FFC TV. What, I, what I'm what i planning on doing is spending £10, splitting it between a few friends. So we pay like, what, £2 each to to, to pay for the iFollow on the Ipswich account uh, or Ipswich's page or, or however, you, however you do it and then watch it there with a, a couple of cans of pale ales. What
0: what a, what a beautiful Wednesday. What a, what a beautiful Wednesday <laughs> evening you have lined up for yourself. Well, we will do a podcast at some point after the Ipswich game. And of course, looking ahead to the Leeds game as well. Uh, that will probably be out on Thursday. Right. Let's get into some questions uh, from listeners. And there was loads of great questions today. Colm Bugler. Who was it that took the phrase? It's a free hit to literally at halftime. What on earth happened to Scott Parker's Face, apparently. I mean, some people wonder if it was like a massive like fight in the changing room. Um, Isabel, who uh, you've heard on the podcast uh, a few times, seems to know something about it being like being bitten by a bug. But baffled, bed. What on earth happened there?
2: <laughs> no idea, because the mark wasn't there when he came back out for the second half. From memory, um, a couple of people in our in our Fulhamish group also think that it's because he was pinching his face because he was really stressed. So. You can see that because Scott is the type of manager that actually plays with his face loads. If you watch him on the sideline, constantly digging away at his face <laughs> and his hair... <laughs> It's really, really strange. For a man that's immaculate, he does a really good job of like just smacking himself all over the place
0: <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I've no idea what happened there. That was um, very, very interesting. All right, proper question here from Jacob Kruper. How do we sort out the centre-back crisis and what do we do uh, with Anguisa, who was really good today, but if he's into the starting 11, who's out? Uh, Jack, your thoughts?
1: Well, by sorting the centre-back situation, we'd need to sign a centre-back, but the the problem is, we don't have like, there hasn't been many links, yes, to PK1 which I thought was just ridiculous and stupid and, you know, a bit of banter, but uh, apart from that, I mean Hinteregger looked a a good player, but apparently he wants to stay at Frankfurt Um, if I, if I could sign a player, it would be Tomori as you mentioned earlier, or even on Friday night, I I really like the look of Cabaselle. I've said it in a podcast before I remember, I think last time in the Premier League, that his services would be great at Fulham. I think Cabaselli is a great centre-back for Watford. And, and the fact he's playing championship football is, is a crime. He should be in the Premier League and he should be at Fulham. Um, Anguisa situation, yeah. I mean, look, if this guy gets match fit, he should be our our starter every week. Um, the talent he's got, the fact that he had a fantastic season last season at Villarreal and um, was really impressive in La Liga. You know, we've got a real gem in our hands. And, and Uh, I remember, Sammy, you were talking to NTP20 last season about who's the player to look out for for Fulham and you said Anguissa and then about a day later he left for for Villarreal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we should take advantage of of Anguissa because, uh, you know, Real Madrid were in for him earlier this summer. Uh, If he has one good season at Fulham, he could be worth an absolute fortune. He's a superb player and and one we need to keep in the side.
0: Um, Alex Zezula Ben says lots of positives in this game. How confident are you of, of staying up? Um, and, and who are we getting points off this season? Uh, uh, ben, are you optimistic? Not optimistic. I'm, I, am A lot of people asked me this yesterday. Um, I was at a mates a mate a mate's, um, barbecue and, and I said, I still think we might go down, but I think we'll go down fighting. And, with a chance of staying up and it might be last game of the season. I'm hoping it's not with a, with a without, without a whimper. Um, your thoughts on Alex's question, Ben?
2: Um, at the moment, I still feel like I'm a little bit neutral on whether Fulham are going to stay up. Um, I feel like you really give a test of your, or a testament to your ability when you play the teams that are in and around you. Obviously Arsenal aren't going to be a team that are going to be in and around the, the bottom half of the table. I still maintain that I'd be absolutely delighted if we get 16th place. Um, uh, and I feel like we need to take points off West Brom, Aston Villa, Leeds, Burnley, Palace, Southampton. If we're going to be looking to get around that mark, obviously we will find out in the, in the coming weeks. You know how how adept this squad is, but I feel like there's going to have to be some changes before that we actually find out where we're going to end up in this league.
0: Um, Bruce the Shark says um, that's his actual <laughs> name. <laughs> Dr. Fulk on Twitter, uh, Jack says, why do we not have another striker in? This issue has been with us for some time now. The fact is not being sorted is criminal. Can't expect us to stay up with just Mitrovic. Um, I must admit for me, I don't look at this squad and feel like, oh my God, we absolutely need a striker. Right. Um, because I do wonder who on earth we can get in. That's going to be second fiddle to Mitrovic. But, and we do kind of have Kamara and Reed who, can do a job but I don't know maybe I'm being a bit naive on that one Jack
1: well to answer the question why don't we have another striker it's because we didn't sign another striker um I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that the striker situation was imperative I think obviously the centre-back and, and full-back positions were the most important yeah I mean Kamara can play up front as he did yesterday and he switched roles with like Cabano and um he went up front and, and whatever and we've got Bobby Reid who of course can play in that position as well and we've got a player in Mitrovic who is one of the most lethal strikers in Europe. I mean, he got 26 goals last season. He's scoring goals for fun for Serbia. Uh, as long as he stays injury-free, I don't see the need of splashing another 20, 30 million on another striker. Um, I, I, I mean, only one striker I really would really would quite like would, would be Rian Brewster, but he looks like he's going to either Palace or Aston Villa if the price is right, I read this morning. Um, mm. Yeah, I just don't think the strike situation is is too important right now unless Mitrovic gets an injury in the next game and please please do not do that. It's the, it's the winger
2: isn't it it's the wingers that are going to be the biggest fault in my opinion if we're going to persist in playing, playing with wingers we need you know those that are going to be able to to create chances for Mitrovic and get the ball in the box I think we saw yesterday that we we lacked a little bit of guile um, to be honest with you and we lacked a little bit of incisiveness in that final third and I think as much as everyone would love to say they'd love to Cabano, Cabano to be able to work out in the Premier League, I'm not mm-hmm. sure he will. Um... Uh, And I I kind of feel like that was where most of our attacks broke down was in wide areas. Maybe we need to address that too. Yeah,
0: and for me, I just don't know what it is about Cav. He just, every game he plays, he you know, he looks fast and he just doesn't have that much end product on him and and hasn't for a while. He started so blisteringly last season, but I feel like apart from a few flashes, we just don't see that kind of side from Cavalera, particularly in creating chances um, often enough. And you wonder if maybe a player like Knockart might come in for, for the Leeds game um, just to change things up. Ben, there are so many questions. Literally, every question is asking who you'd like at centre back or what to do about centre back or is Hector um, more of a problem than Reem? So, it'd be good to just maybe get some analysis from you again um, on the, on the centre back situation. I mean, I'm just going to read out some names that have asked about centre backs. Uh, Thomas Gordon's asked about centre backs, Nathan's asked about centre backs. Thomas Brown's asked about centre-backs.
2: Everyone in our WhatsApp group's asked about centre-backs. Yeah,
0: uh, Rockus <laughs> yeah. Hugendorn has asked about centre-backs as well. Just to give some shout-outs for those that have asked the question. So yeah, your thoughts on the on the situation and who on earth we could sign to, to fix it?
2: Well, uh, I feel like it's, it's definitely uh, uh, an area that we need to address. I think yesterday basically proved everyone's point in that Reem and Hector are unfortunately a very, very slow partnership. Vareem um, wasn't up to his normal standard with his passing, and if we're going to persist with passing out to the back, then I think we need a, a, a player that's going to be adept at that. We also need a player that's going to be able to to command the box and and also with with more pace. So uh, I think that's probably the the boxes that a lot of people are going to be looking at uh, ticking there. Um, I, one thing I really really liked uh, was from Jack Collins, um, and again, it's it's our neighbours up the road from Chelsea. They've just signed uh, Melank Sar from. Nice uh, on a I think it's like a five or six year deal and Jack said look why don't we just ask them if we can take him on loan for you know uh, a season or two um, yeah we're not about really developing other other teams players for them however this is a young guy that's got a lot of pace it uh, has a huge ceiling of, of potential has performed really well in a Nice side that is basically transforming itself into a developmental side at the moment why can't we just you know, potentially take him on loan for, for a couple of seasons. I think that's such a great shout. Yeah. And I, I feel like uh, that that's a great one too. And I love Jack's shout from earlier in, on in the podcast as well for Gabasele. For and I feel like there there are players and centre-halves around in, in leagues all over the world that we can probably look at there. But I think Melang Sar, Gabasele, uh, to name just but a few are uh, two people that we can potentially be looking at and tomorrow as well is, an, is another good child. it's just
0: so frustrating because it feels like for so many years we've just been like missing a center back and last year we were missing a center back and we kind of got hector in and then we didn't have him in time for the registration so we didn't have him in for six months i've just so bored. I, I almost kind of want tony to just like raid out like have why well, just go buy 10 center backs just just go buy them all like just just like please stop this every season being the main position that we are concerned about. So fingers crossed Look, there's a lot of time left in the transfer window. And you know, one question that we had in was, can you blame Tony Khan for the center back situation? Unfortunately, the way it's all fallen out with the transfer window, not closing until October the 5th, I believe it is like, you're not going to be able to get all those deals in before the season starts. And, And that's why this situation of Fulham not just getting promoted in this situation, but getting promoted through the playoffs. So there was an even less time for, for to sort It's really, really difficult, and and lots of teams at the moment are searching for their centre back. You know, obviously, like a team like Leeds, they lost they lost Ben White, um, who's gone back to Brighton. They're desperately after one. So many teams need a good centre back. They're not easy to come by. So yeah, I, I think keep the faith a little bit. If it's October the 6th and we haven't got a good centre-back and it's still Reeman Hector for the season, then maybe you can start adding Tony Khan. But until then, I don't know if there's much that can be criticised until he's had a full window to at least get his players in. It's, it's, it's a difficult situation and I, I do empathise uh, a little bit. Um, finally, Ben, from Chris Harris, what was Parker ordering from the Chinese last night?
2: I think uh, Parker was was probably going down a route where he needed to sort of drown his sorrows but in Chinese. So um I'm gonna go for Peking spare ribs, uh twenty-four pork balls, uh <laughs> chicken balls, uh vegetable spring roll, um a Chinese style curry with uh special fried rice, uh beef in black bean sauce, uh lemon chicken and also or I think we'll top it off with some like pineapple fritters. Have you got
0: the menu for a Chinese takeaway in front of you at the moment?
2: No, I just said everything that basically came into my head. It was very <laughs>
0: impressive. I was like, wow, he really knows his uh, Chinese food, <laughs> or at least his Chinese um, takeaway food. I imagine uh, in China, we probably don't eat that many of those things.
2: Yeah, I bet in China, half of those dishes just don't yeah. exist. Just basically like chicken tikka masala it doesn't exist in India. So it's A really Chinese weird.
0: person walks into a Chinese and goes like, have you got... Have you got anything else on the menu? I don't really like any of these. Yeah. Have you got any actual
2: Chinese? <laughs> any actual Chinese food? Um,
0: okay. All right. Well, we'll take a break there for today. As I said, the podcast will be back later in the week, looking back at Ipswich and looking forward to that massive game at Elland Road against Leeds on Saturday, which is on BT Sport now. By the way, um, it's still a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, but it is going to be shown on BT Sport, so we can watch that game. Who knows how we'll be able to watch the Ipswich game if at all? But there's not an awful lot riding on it. Um, Ben, what are you thinking for the podcast title today?
2: Uh, so for this week's three-word review, I'm going to go for Matt Brightwell's 3 Gun Salute.
0: Nice. Oh, very clever. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, to Ben Jarman, thank you for being here. Thank you very much, Sammy. Nice to be back. And Jack Kelly, thank you as always.
1: Yeah, lovely to be back on the podcast. Uh, enjoy and subscribe to the YouTube yeah,
0: make sure you uh, check out Jack's uh, YouTube reaction, which should be out probably probably by the time that this uh, podcast is released. So uh, have a good start of your week, and we will speak to you later. Come on, you whites.
2: Come on, you whites.
0: powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend.
2: This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! Every week, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A cash recommends.